Hey, this is Pastor Daniel McGee with Connection Church in New York City. Thank you for listening to our church's weekly podcast. We hope God uses this sermon to encourage you and to increase your faith in Him. If you'd like to know more about our church, please check out our website at ConnectionNYC.com or like us on Facebook at ConnectionNYC. Grace and peace be with you. God, thank you so much uh, just for your word, God, for what you have to teach us this morning. Lord, thank you for the opportunity to share what you have um, put on my heart to share with our church. God, I pray that it is as transformative for them as it was for me. God, I pray that it it would be as encouraging to them as it was for me. Lord, I pray that you would just speak through me. The words that you have for us today, God, uh, would just encourage us and embolden us to go out again, Lord, to speak truth and to just live for you 100%. God, we pray these things in your son's name. Amen. So one of the things that really stuck out to me um, in in preparing for the sermon was just the time of year that it is. So this is the time of year where we really like to reflect on on the year that just passed, and we kind of make a lot of projections about our future. Uh, And we spend time carefully contemplating maybe how things could have gone differently the year prior if we had said different things, done different things, treated certain situations differently if we made different choices. And we kind of think about moving forward in the upcoming year, how we might like to handle those situations differently. And we make goals and plans for the year, and we call those, what do we usually call those this time of year? Our New Year's resolutions, right? We make a ton of resolutions for ourselves. And this has become an important part of our our culture. Our, Our culture especially here in the U.S., is very merit-based. And so when you reflect on the year prior, you may have some things to celebrate. You will probably most definitely have things that you uh, wish would have gone differently or things that you're not celebrating. And then these resolutions are kind of actionable steps, maybe, that you're going to take to make sure your life is better in the year to come. A lot of these uh, center uh, around weight loss. A lot of people say, I'm going to start working out this year. Um, Some of it centers around a savings account. I'm going to put away X amount of dollars, you know, per per month so that I can start to save for this, whatever this thing is, for my kid's college or for a house or for a car. Um, And so we all have these resolutions that we like to make. Um, Some of them that I've seen that are really healthy resolutions is people say, hey, I want to read the Bible in a year. Um, Almost inevitably, I see at least one person every year who's like, my resolution is to read the whole Bible this year. Um, So obviously, they're not all resolutions are, are bad. In fact, most of them are good when we have the right perspective about what a resolution in our life should look like. <clears throat> and so I've done this before. You guys might be used to this by now. I don't know. Um, but I like to define words because we talk about a resolution. I want to make sure we're all on the same page. Uh, we might all have an idea about what a resolution is. And so I want to make sure that we're kind of working off the same uh, base understanding. And so I looked up the definition for resolution, and, and I got a few key definitions that I think will help us uh, moving forward today. And so the first one is, a resolution is a firm decision to do or not to do something. A firm decision to do or not to do something. A resolution could also be the action of solving a problem. It could also be the action of solving a problem And the other one that I thought was most pertinent to what we'll talk about today 
is uh, the last one, which could be the quality of being determined or resolute. A resolution could be the quality of being determined or resolute. So it's a firm decision to do or not to do something, the action of solving a problem, or the quality of being determined or resolute. And so in kind of thinking about resolution and looking up the definition and reading some of those definitions, I couldn't help um, but think about a pretty, I think a pretty famous scene in a fairly famous movie. Maybe I'm going to date myself, or maybe I'm going to talk about my terrible taste in movies, or maybe you'll be like, yeah, that is a great film. Um, If I were to say to you the words, 55 and iron pen, Mr. Matlack can't offend. I know we're a small crowd, but would anyone in here happen to know what film that's from? It's the back end of of a riddle in the movie National Treasure. And so there's this moment where Nicolas Cage and his team of people, um, <clears throat> they find uh, the Charlotte, which is he's deciphered as a ship, and it's buried underneath the ice. And they go down there, and the first clue was the secret lies with Charlotte. And so a lot of them think, oh, this amazing treasure might be there. But really, it's just a secret about how to find the treasure that they find um, on this scroll that comes out of a pipe. So if you've never seen the movie, it's very creatively put together. It's got some historical fiction, a mixture of like some history, history we know, some that's made up. Uh, it's really entertaining. I, I would definitely suggest it. Um, but that back half, basically this, this riddle that he's reading um, <clears throat> is, is describing to him where he can find the map to the treasure. And in deciphering the riddle, he decides that the map to the treasure is an invisible map that needs some type of reagent or something to pop up, and it's on the back of the Declaration of Independence. So you could see how that would pose a problem if you needed to access a map on the back of possibly the most important document in our nation's history. Um, But when when he's figuring it out, he's talking it through, and he says, 55, an iron pen, and he's trying to figure out what iron means, and he says, it was iron, it was adamant, it was resolved. It was resolved. And so um, the colonies were collectively facing a, a problem in, in our early history. And the problem was that they were living away from the country that was supposed to be representing them. <clears throat> they felt disconnected from that country. And they felt like they were being wrongly taken advantage of and being taxed and asking to do things for Great Britain when they were no longer part of Great Britain. And so in order to resolve this problem, in order to pursue a problem-solving action, they made a resolution, they signed the Declaration of Independence, and they resolved <coughs> excuse me, that they would defend that declaration to the death. And so we also see a very similar uh, situation in Scripture where there's a, f- uh, a problem that's being faced and there are some resolutions that are made. So if you want to turn to Matthew chapter 26, Matthew chapter 26, and we'll be in verse 39. I'll give you just a few seconds to get there. So Matthew chapter 26, verse 39, this is uh, Jesus in the garden of Gethsemane, and this is the moment in which he is, he's walking away. <clears throat> he's just addressed his disciples, and he's walking away to pray. And in verse 39, it says, going a little farther, he fell on his face and prayed, saying, my father, if it be possible, let this cup pass from me. Nevertheless, 
not as I will, but as you will. And in verse 42, it says, Again, for the second time, he went away, he being Jesus, and said, My father, if this cannot pass unless I drink it, your will be done. And so Jesus is in the midst of a problem. And the problem is that no matter what resolutions or goals that man makes for themselves, right? We can come up with all the, the great resolutions in the world. We can set all the goals appropriately. We can take actionable steps toward those goals. We can even achieve those goals. But ultimately, no matter what we do as man, we will never be able to earn a place in the presence of God. And so this is a huge problem. No amount of achievement or willpower will be enough to get us into heaven. On the flip side of that, Jesus individually was also facing a problem. His problem was that he was going to have to suffer at the hands of broken humans on behalf of broken humans to create a path for brokenness to be made whole again and enter the presence of God. So Jesus is just before this time where he's lived out his life and he's, he's, he's faced all the temptation and, and he himself is a perfect sacrifice being ready to be sacrificed. And so he's facing this issue of being tempted to not do that. He says, Lord, if this cup could pass, if there's any other way, could you please, please take it from me? But if it's your will and there is no other way, let's do this. And so why did Jesus have to do this? God is God, and and I'm sure he could have created a lot of different ways for us to be in heaven. Jesus actually perfectly solves the issue of us not being able to merit our way into heaven. He merits it for us and then gifts it to us so that God's justice doesn't have to be compromised when he says, I see you, Haley. I see you, John. I know you're not good enough, but I also know that you received my son's gift. And because of that, I can now let you into heaven. But why did it happen this way? It happened this way because God resolved that his son would save the broken. And God's son, Jesus, resolved to do his father's will regardless of the price. So both God and Jesus made a firm decision to do something about the brokenness of man. God's decision was that, hey, Jesus... You're going, you're going to earth, man. And Jesus was like, ah, all right. And he came, and he, he lived this perfect life. And he performed miracles, and he was patient. He waited on God's timing for everything. And then the time came to test Jesus' resolve. And he said, look, honestly, if there's any other way we could do this, that would be great. But I have resolved to do this regardless of the price. So if there is no other way, I'm ready. And so when we think about our resolutions and the resolutions that we'll make, they're not, they're not bad. It's not bad to plan. It's not bad to have goals. But we need to set those goals within the perspective of the only resolutions that really matter. And those are the resolutions that God and his son Jesus made on our behalf that God would send his son Jesus to solve the issue of brokenness and that Jesus would follow through with that plan regardless of the price. It's because of this incredible, amazing truth 
that we can read in Philippians some words that Paul shares with us. And so if you would, as you get the chance, turn to Philippians chapter 3, and we'll be starting in verse 3. So this is Paul writing to the church at Philippi. And a lot of his writing to the Philippians is just this fond remembrance of how awesome it was to do ministry with them. And it's a lot of encouragement. And so in chapter 3, he's encouraging them to rejoice in the Lord and for him to write the same instruction over and over again. He says, that's not even an issue for me. He says, look out for evildoers, for those who mutilate the flesh. And starting in verse 3, he says, this is why. For we are the circumcision who worship by the Spirit of God and glory in Christ Jesus and put no confidence in the flesh. In verse 4, though I myself have reason for confidence in the flesh. Also, if anyone else thinks that he has reason for confidence in the flesh, I have more. Circumcised on the eighth day of the people of Israel of the tribe of Benjamin, a Hebrew of Hebrews, as to the law, a Pharisee, as to zeal, a persecutor of the church, as to righteousness under the law, blameless. So Paul says, if anyone has the resume, if anyone has set resolutions and goals and fulfilled those things, if anyone has achieved everything that one could hope to achieve in the flesh, it's me. And actually, if someone else thinks they've achieved a lot, I've achieved more. So you might think, wow. You know, there's such thing as a humble brag, but I don't, I don't think that's a humble brag. I think that's, just, that's an all-out brag. But what is Paul getting at? Is he just writing that just to tell people how awesome he is? In verse 7, it says, Whatever gain I had, whatever I accomplished, he says, I counted as loss for the sake of Christ. Indeed, I count everything as loss because of the surpassing worth of knowing Christ Jesus my Lord. For his sake, I have suffered the loss of all things and count them as rubbish in order that I may gain Christ and be found in him, not having a righteousness of my own that comes from the law, but that which comes through faith in Christ. The righteousness from God that depends on faith, that I may know him and the power of his resurrection and may share his sufferings, becoming like him in his death, that by any means possible, I may attain the resurrection from the dead. And so Paul says, look, I have, I have this awesome thing to offer. That is my life. I was circumcised on the eighth day in the tribe of Benjamin of the people of Israel. I am a Hebrew of Hebrews. Within the culture of which we speak, I am as good as it gets. And you can try your hardest, and you will never be as good as I was. And why does he set it up that way? He sets it up that way to say, I have literally achieved everything that you want to achieve. And I'm telling you, even in those achievements, they are nothing compared to the surpassing worth of knowing Christ Jesus as your Lord and Savior. Not only are they nothing, they're rubbish. When you put them side by side, there is no comparison. It's off-putting to look at my achievements next to the worth of knowing Christ Jesus. 
He says, because of that, I just counted all his loss. I threw all that away. I used to hold those things dear in my life. I used to put those things on a pedestal, but now I've thrown them away because I have something else to put on a pedestal, something that's far greater, and that is my relationship with Jesus Christ. That's sometimes hard for us to really swallow and live out within a culture that is so merit-based, where we can sit at home and feel bad about resting, where we can be at our job and feel like, oh, I should be doing more at this point in my life, or we can look at our savings account and think, I should have saved more. We can look at our portfolio and, and whatever all these things that we think the world is telling us that we have to achieve, and we can feel empty and we can feel lost, and we can feel disconnected from what we should be achieving. Or on the flip side, we can look at all those things and find comfort in them. Maybe we have a ton of money. Maybe we're extremely successful in our job. But yet we still don't really know or realize why we don't feel complete. Why is there, why is there still this part of us that's yearning for something else? Why do I feel sad when I shouldn't feel sad? Why do I feel empty when I supposedly have everything? All that centers around us placing plans and goals and resolutions and our own merit above our relationship with Jesus. It involves us taking rubbish, which is what we can achieve on our own, and making it the most important thing in our life, while this amazingly incredible value relationship with Jesus is just put off to the side. And so my encouragement for us is, let's not be complacent. Let's, let's not sit around and, and not have plans, not make resolutions, not have goals. I think those things are amazing. But let's allow our relationship with Jesus to shape what those resolutions and goals are. Let's make ministry resolutions and goals. Let's have, let's have a goal to, to share God's word with 10 people this year. Let's have a goal to read the Bible in a year. Let's have a goal to disciple someone. Let's have a goal to love people around us. And even within those goals, let's remember that even if we love 100 people, even if we share the gospel with 5,000 people and they all get saved, as incredible as those things are, they're not more incredible than our relationship with Christ and they're not more incredible than the resolutions that were made on our behalf. And that's God resolving to save us from brokenness with his son and his son resolving to follow God's will regardless of the price. So I pray for our church that our resolve would be to recognize and pursue that priceless worth of knowing Christ and go after it with everything that we have. Take the rubbish out of the way that's weighing us down, toss it aside, and go after Jesus with every ounce of energy that we have. Let's pray. God, thank you so much for, for your resolve. God, the sacrifice that you made sending your son to save us from our brokenness. God, the sacrifices your son made so that he could live out that promise. God, that he could deliver us from brokenness in a perfect way. God, in a way that doesn't compromise your goodness or your justice. God, Jesus received all the punishment that is due us so that we can spend eternity with you in your presence in heaven. 
God, thank you for your wisdom, for providing a way for that to happen. Even as we walk in the midst of the culture that we live in and we're tempted every single day to put our own merit, to put our own worth, to put our own accomplishments at the forefront of what we're searching for, God, whether we're happy about those or whether we look at those and we feel empty because we haven't accomplished what we want to accomplish, God, I just pray that we would remember that the most important thing that could have ever been accomplished has already been accomplished on our behalf. God, I pray that that would give, give us um, hope, God, that that would encourage us, Lord, that that would call us to a life lived serving you, God. It would, it would bring us to a higher calling, and we wouldn't get caught up in day-to-day issues, God. We wouldn't get caught up in, in the, the day-to-day monotony of what it looks like to try to just live life without hope outside of you. We wouldn't get caught in the the rat race of trying to get ahead. God, we would do those things. We would make goals with the knowledge and with the comfort of knowing that you are holding us, that you're supporting us. God, that you love us and that you already resolved to save us and that we are saved. God, I pray that we would walk out in confidence, Lord, speaking that truth to others and showing them love. We just pray these things in your son's name. Amen.